Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our special guest speaker, Derek Young. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Hey, uh, my name is Derek Young, and you've already heard that. Uh, two things I want to offer. First, on the finance piece, um, I, I, I got to testify. My wife and I made covenant to tithe uh, years ago. I, I can't even tell you how long. We're going to have a 43rd anniversary this Wednesday, and we've been we've been tithing. Thank you. We, we've been tithing for a very long time. God has never failed us. He has always provided for us. Now, you can't be married 43 years and not have some financial issues from time to time. But I want you to know, he has been faithful to his promise that when he, the work, the good work that he started in us, he is seeing it through to completion. And if you are going to receive anything from the word today, apply it to your finances as well. I, I, I tell you, he will not let you down. He will challenge you, but he will not let you down. Um, a dear sister gave me a, a, a word she got. I believe that this is for folks that are here and or online, both now and in the future. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I could read that a bunch of times, but it's, it's true. So we're going to be talking about a message from our series, which is Reigning in Grace, that comes from Romans 5.17. The title of today's message is Now and More. Now and More. There it is. Hey. <laughs> Technology. So I'm going to... I'm going to start off with something fairly simple in a kind of a review of what we've already covered in terms of law and grace. Um, some people may be here for the first time. Some people may be watching for the first time. And we don't want anybody to not know the merit of grace and the futility of the law. So I'm going to cover that just a little bit with some examples, and then I'm, we're going to segue into something that I'm really excited about. So if you notice a difference in my pe- passion meter, that's where it's coming from, because I get real passionate about the second half or the second two-thirds of this, and I really do believe that this, is going to, this message is going to touch people. It has nothing to do with Derek bringing the message. It has everything to do with the grace of God coming to you, okay? So keep that in mind now and more, okay? So people may ask and may say, and maybe I bet some of the people here, I talked to uh, a new guy, Keith, a new guy to me. He's been here for a couple times since uh, back to religious detox. Um, But he he shared a little bit about the church that he was raised in, and it resonates because I've heard this so many times. 
I've heard this so many times, and maybe you have too. People that say, but we have to preach, we have to preach that about God's law and about keeping his commandments and about his judgment. How else are they going to know how, how, how sick and poor and futile they are and how much they need God and they need, they need our help for them to get to heaven? So we got to tell them about the law and all the do's and all the don'ts. Anybody hear that before? I've heard it. We come from the South, the Bible Belt, and there's, there's some groups of people down there. I mean, oh my gosh, I had to move to Ohio. I mean, it was, that's where God evidently really is. I don't know. But Romans 2, 4 simply says that the goodness of God leads to repentance. The goodness of God leads to repentance, okay? So let me give you a couple examples. For instance, you remember the story probably, if you haven't, I'm telling it, and it may be up here about, um, this is Luke 5.8, where Peter has been fishing all night. He hasn't caught anything. Now it's the first of the morning. Uh, fishermen would fish at night with lights over their, uh, over their boats to attract the fish. And... Uh, got to the shore, and, and here's this man. Peter's like, wow, we have an audience. And this man says, cast your net over there. And Peter says, what are you talking about? I'm a professional. I know how to fish. There are no fish out there. Just cast your net. Just cast your net. And, uh, okay. Goes out there launches his boat, casts his net, and gets more fish than he's ever gotten in a cast, breaking the net, sinking the boat. And James and John, who are also fishermen, have to come over with their boat to help buoy them up. And they came back, there was more fish than he has ever seen. Now, if you can impress a professional fisherman who's been fishing all of his life to where he comes up and he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. The, the word actually says he's, he fell to his knees. How? How? And Jesus said, Peter, come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. Not only did Peter leave his boat and his net and fishing and his livelihood, but so did James and John. And there were three of the disciples caught in Jesus' net. Now, here's the question. What came first? The fire and brimstone message or grace before Peter's repentance? Peter's response was from the goodness of God. And Jesus didn't have to say anything but to challenge him. Do this one thing. And I will make you fishers of men. And they, they left everything and they took off. So I want to share two stories. One, the first one's from Luke 18, 8 through 23. Um, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to stop a, a few times in the interest of time. I want to make my, my emphatical declarations while I read it instead of 
reading it and then going back. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Emphatical declarations. That was really good. I know, right? A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now he's asking, what must I do? So he's approaching Jesus from the perspective of law. Okay? Law is what you keep. Law is what you do. Law is how you earn. Okay? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus knows right away where he's coming from. Next slide. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Go ahead. You know, you know the commandments. Now he's challenging him on the law. Okay? He's challenging him on the law. You shall not commit, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Now, that's not all of the Ten Commandments, but that's a good portion of them, right? Jesus already knows where this is going, but the rich young ruler thinks he's got Jesus in the bag, okay? All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Well, yeah, that's because Jesus only gave you the ones he knew you'd kept. But what about what's coming up? He said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. He said, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then follow me. You will have everything and then follow me. Jesus knows the rich young ruler is not seeking Jesus or the Lord. He's seeking to be good enough. Right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I've done all that stuff. Well, no, no, not everything. Because Jesus knew that the rich young ruler had not followed the first commandment. Have no other God before me. And the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler had made his own God, his wealth and his money. And Jesus is challenging him to give that up and make Jesus Lord. So when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And the Bible says, if it's included in this one, is there another one for that? Okay. The Bible says that he, he walked away sorrowfully with sadness because he knew he wasn't going to get there. He, he wasn't going to make that sacrifice because he had worked so hard for his money. Hey, we're talking about money again, Dennis. He had worked so hard for his money, and he was not going to give it up. And we don't know his name. We only know him as the rich young ruler. So Jesus addressed the rich, the, the rich young ruler on the basis of the law because the rich young ruler approached Jesus on the basis of the law. Now, let's move to Luke 19. And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there with the name of Zacchaeus. Now get this, he was a, not a tax collector, the chief tax collector, meaning he was up in the, 
in the, in the pool of tax collectors. He must have had other tax collectors under him that answered to him. So tax collectors were bad guys back then. They had a really bad reputation. So his reputation must have been even worse because he was the chief tax collector. And what's that? He was what? Wealthy. Have we heard that again in the last three minutes? He was wealthy. Yes. Well, Jesus is walking through, and Zacchaeus, go ahead. Zacchaeus is really short, and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree so that he could see who this man Jesus is. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He was, he was somehow drawn to Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question, maybe rhetorically. Would anybody who is so wealthy and a chief tax collector and an abusive person towards the society and the people that he was collecting money from for Rome be, have any interest in Jesus naturally or normally? You would think not. And yet there's something about this guy who wanted to know something about Jesus. And he, he didn't know what, but he had to find out. Well, Jesus responded, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must come to your house today. He knew Zacchaeus' name. He knew he was in the tree. And he knew that blessing was going to come to the house of Zacchaeus, although Zacchaeus didn't know it yet. So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. And they were on their way to Zacchaeus' house. Now here, I love this part. And I, this is only a, kind of a segue, a little, or a little parentheses thing, if you will. All the people saw this. Now, how many people? All the people saw this and began to what? Mutter. Mutter, 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 mutter. Anybody know any, any church experience or group experience or work experience where people mutter? Well, the people of the church were muttering. And what were they saying? He has gone to be the guest of a zitter. Ha! Yeah. Well, none of them climbed a tree. None of them wanted to check it out. It was like, hey, let's go to the parade, man. Let's do a little tailgating. It's going to be fun. No. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And they were muttering and they were talking amongst themselves and starting up that that, that crescendo of, of stuff, right? Of rumors, building it up. Oh, and I heard, and I heard, and I heard. All right, next one. So Zacchaeus, in the midst of what Jesus was doing and preparing and, and demonstrating, and this is really cool because Zacchaeus wasn't afraid of doing this in front of the muttering crowd. You understand that when, when, when you're having an encounter with Jesus, it's mano a mano. It does not matter who's watching. And Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, here I am, and here I give half. I give half of all my stuff. And if I have wronged anybody, I give them four times as much as I wronged from them. How much I cheated them from, I will pay back four times. Go ahead. And Jesus said to him, well, 
I'm glad you're giving it to the kingdom of God because now I can consider you one of my disciples. Did he say that? No. He spoke that blessing, that Abrahamic blessing over him. He said, today, salvation, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now, I didn't see anything in the Bible that told me that Jesus preached a fire and brimstone uh, turn or burn message to anybody. Zacchaeus was recognized by the Lord. You know why? When we approach the Lord with our sinlessness, he responds with our sinfulness. When we approach God with our heart, he addresses us by name. When we address Jesus with our sinlessness, he, he tells us, he shows us, he responds about our sinfulness. But when we approach him with our heart, he responds and calls us by our name. Child of God, child of Abraham. Peter wrote that we are citizens in heaven and members of his household. I love family matters when it's Jesus in the house. Amen. Man, I'm doing so well. I don't even have to read my notes. Isn't that great? Now, let me, let me get to a, I really want to get to the next part of, of, of the message because it's, it's where I live. I was talking to uh, Steve, uh, Stephen yesterday, yesterday he did such a great job at our prayer ministry training piece. And, and then, you know, he was speaking today and, and he said yesterday was his wheelhouse. Well, this next part is what I consider to be where I, where I get my gym, my wheelhouse. So my, the passion meter will probably go up here in a minute. Let me ask you all a question. Um, will you participate in a hypothetical new law with me? I only need one, but all of you can do it. Okay. So here is a new law, hypothetically. If you keep this law, you are guaranteed a chair at the feast at the table of God in heaven. You're getting in. You just have to keep one law. Okay? You ready? Everybody ready? Got your listening ears on? All right. Here's the law. Do not think of a red flag. Okay, how many people are going to heaven with me? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Colorblind. He's wearing a red shirt. What color, what color is your shirt? Right. Okay, the point is, the point is, that simple demonstration is an example of how futile it is to try to be good enough to get to heaven. Okay? You cannot get there by getting, keeping the law. You just can't. So, the difference between law and grace, a simple way to sum it up might be, if this serves you, it, it, I've carried this with me for a long time, do we know the book of the Lord or do we want to know the Lord of the book? Do we know the book of the Lord or do we want to know the Lord of the book? Right? And so knowing the Lord of the book 
has relevance for the rest of today's message. Now is more. Now is more. That doesn't make sense, Derek. Well, you're right. Until you hear what the rest of the message is, okay? So if you couldn't keep that hypothetical law, that's a, that's a demonstration that our, if our behavior is wrong, then our thinking may be wrong. Behavior always follows thought. We don't do something before we think about it first. You, you, you can't. Oh, it was an accident. No, you had the thought. You just don't want to tell me about it. Okay? Behavior always follows a thought. We think about it, and then we do it. It's, it's, it's the action that we put with our thought. Works without, without deeds are dead. Okay? Faith without work. Excuse me. Faith without works is dead. Okay, Either you, you do something when you have the thought. I have the faith, I'm going to act on the faith so you see the, exalt, the result of my faith. So if your thinking is wrong, how do we get our thinking right? How do we make it relevant for what we're doing in the body of Christ with this grace, with this law, with this grace? Okay? Sin does not stop God's grace from flowing, but God's grace will stop sin. Sin will, not stop God, sin will not stop God's grace from flowing, but God's grace will stop sin. How am I supposed to do this, you may ask? Well, now is more. Now is more. When is now? What? Okay, let me wait five seconds. Okay, now, is that now? No, now is now. Well, yeah, we're laughing because it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Anybody notice I'm wearing two watches? Yeah, man, it's stupid. He wants to be on time today, doesn't he? <laughs> okay, I got one that's an analog watch. Self-winding. It's a relic, if it matters. Um, I've gotten a lot of compliments on this watch. Well, this represents... Uh, a word for time. The English language is very poor in some of these cases, and this is one of them. This watch represents chronos. Chronos is where we get our word chronology, Chronolo chronological. Okay, so everybody has a birth date. You can't be here unless you had a birth date. So, that's a point in time. And this time, chronos time is linear. All right? You woke up at a certain time this morning. You're going to eat lunch at a certain time today. Or if you don't eat lunch, you'll eat dinner. You got to eat sometime. But it's chronological, okay? My wife and I got married 43 years ago this Wednesday. How do I know that? Every other year but this, because I had to use it for my sermon. <laughs> you can sit in the front row anytime. That's great. <laughs> this watch, this is an Apple watch. I'm really pleased with this Apple watch. I didn't know I wanted it as bad as I, I, I'm glad I have it now. It's an ultra Apple watch. I don't think there's very many ultras in the room. 
This, this watch can do a lot of stuff. If you got an Apple watch, you know they can do a lot of stuff. This can go to 450 feet under the surface of the water and survive. Yeah. But you know what? As fancy as this watch is, it's Dick Tracy watch. I can talk to it. And it, it you know, and it'll answer me. It'll do all that stuff. But this is still a Kairos, I mean, a, a Kronos watch, but it represents Kairos. Kairos time is time that God lives in. Cairo's time is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He was, he is, he will always be. Cairo's time is, is Jesus looking at the beginning and the end in one glance. And he sees you on that timeline, but when we receive him, grace says we are a part of that timeline. Because when we receive him, we receive the forever timeline that he's on. We're living forever, but we're choosing to live with him. Citizens of heaven, members of his household. Kairos is forever. So when we talk about there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ. Lily spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. I'm still hearing great things about that message. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ. Now is a Kairos time. Now, it's, there's a mathematical word uh, called a constant. <clears throat> constant variable. That means unchanging. And there's a lot of Kairos terminology and timelines associated with God. So if there's therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ... The now is not linear. That's where people get hung up with this law and grace piece is that we figure I've sinned, so now I got to do something to make up for the sin. No, grace is kairos. It's all the time. It's not a point in time now when I mess up and now oh, I must be going to hell. Oh my gosh. No, your sins are taken care of because there's, grace is kairos. Beginning, middle, and end. It's all, all in all. We're on that timeline. We're not in the Kronos. But Satan wants us to stay on Kronos because he wants us to be stuck in this mentality that I've got to be working hard enough to be good enough to get in. And some people that don't understand that tell you, you sin, you're got to go to hell if you don't repent. Well, yeah, repentance is good, but let's bear fruit of that and understand the Word says, I am forgiven. The Word says that I have been saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest I boast. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross is kairos. It started then, but it continues, and it's today. It's now. No, it's now. No, it's now. No, it's now. It's every now for the rest of the nows that there are. Okay? Jesus Christ lives in Cairo's time. His crucifixion may have been in a Kronos time, but it applies to everybody for the rest of time. Amen. Boy, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad this is recorded. I want to hear what I said. This is great. So let's move on. I want to make this grace thing even more relative for us, okay? The, the, Lord, the Lord showed me, I'm going to give you some examples, okay? When I was preparing this morning, 
and, and reviewing, there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ. Okay, this is recorded, but the Lord told me that there is somebody within the sound of my voice, either today or in the future, who is living under condemnation. And that word about there is therefore now no condemnation is going to be a word of freedom to them when they hear it. And, th- and them hearing me say this part right now is going to confirm that it's God and not man. You understand how God works? God told me that this morning. I told, I told huddle time. I told the people downstairs. I told my wife. I told as many people as I could of authority that, that when, when, when that witness comes forth, they will know that it's a confirmation of the Cairo's time is not only something Derek's talking about, but it's a real deal. It's happening because God knows who that person is, even though I don't. Amen? So let's talk about something really, really fun. Like that wasn't fun enough. Boy, get your chairs up and put your trays in the upright position. We're going on. Okay? We're on that roller coaster going up. Let me read 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5. Let's put it up if we have it. I think we do. We've had every other one. There we are. Now, this is a segue. How does grace apply to my life? I know about salvation, but how do I make it relevant for my life? What's this grace going to do for me? What's this grace going to do for my loved ones? Is this really just words on a screen? Do I apply it to my life? For though we live in the world, do we live in the world? Yes. So though we live in the world, we do, we, we corporately, people, followers of Jesus Christ, partakers in the heavenly gift, we do not wage war as the world does. It doesn't say we do not wage war. It says we don't wage war as the world does. So we do wage war. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So they're not guns. They're not the stuff that everybody is afraid of. They are even better. They're more powerful and more decisive. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish, demolish, demolish strongholds. We demolish, we, Edie and I, no, we, okay? Uh, This is you. Now is more. We demolish arguments and every every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want you to hear this as gladly as I can scream it. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I am here to tell you, you are not a slave to your thoughts. There's a lot of people that don't understand that concept. They don't understand yet because maybe they haven't heard a divinely given inspirational message from the Lord with this verse saying, you are not a slave to your thoughts. Because you think it, because you think it doesn't mean it's you. Satan, our enemy, our adversary, the lion that prowls around looking for someone to devour, will attempt to put thoughts in our heads through our flesh, 
or through someone else that don't line up with the Word of God. Our job is to recognize when the thought doesn't line up with the Word of God and take it captive, to arrest it, and to dispel it, to get rid of it. Why and how? Because it's not of me. I'm a child of God. That thing, that thought that I just had doesn't line up with what a child of God does. Anybody see Sound of Freedom? I mean, if you're a Christian, I don't know how you can watch that and not be touched in some way and recognize when thoughts come to me, I have the capacity in Christ to take that thought captive. Now, here's a... Here's, here's a caveat. I have to know the Word of God. So we have, we, Edie and I have life verses. She has some like me and I like her, but we have our own individually. We, you have life verses that when the thing hits you, you can speak to that and speak to it in the authority, the God-given authority by the presence of God's Spirit inside of us and take that thought captive. Now, how do we do this? Well, I got a lot of examples, but I can only have time for a couple. I'll give you one relevant one that just happened. It just happened. Edie and I, I challenged her. I thought, hey, is there any, give me an idea. I'm, I'm, I got a hundred thousand of them I can think of, but I don't know which one needs to fit. Well, this one hit me this morning. It's really good. Um, so we have a new car. It's a 2016, but it's new to us. But it got checked out. It's not very old. We've only had it for a couple months. We took a trip. We came back. While we were in Cincinnati, coming through Cincinnati, all these lights on the dashboard came on. Check engine light, traction off, uh, four low, was started blinking and all this, and I'm like, oh, and she's asleep. So I'm like, I'm not going to pull over. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you gave this vehicle to me and to my wife for your service, for our conveyance. You know we need, you, you know we need transportation. We prayed for this thing for five years to replace her old one. You didn't give us a bunch of crap. You gave us a, a, a vehicle that's working, and I bind whatever is causing that to happen, and I command it to get better. I command this vehicle to be able to carry it and convey us all the way home. I come against any, any entity or attack that's attempting to take this ride away from us, to take money away from us in Jesus' name, and I'm declaring it. And from then on, for the next 100 miles home, I'm thanking the Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for answering that prayer. Thank you for fi fixing our vehicle. Thank you that everything's going to be good. Thank you, Lord, that this is going to happen. Got home. Now, I've got a Tundra just like this thing, and I had the problem, but when I turned it off and turned it on, the problem was gone. Well, I got home and turned it off and turned on her car, and it was still there. I was like, no, you're not going to do that to me in Jesus' name. Well, two days later, the lights went off. Well, we, we already had a... We already had an appointment at Toyota, so I asked Edie, do we send it in anyway? Well, maybe for peace of mind. I guess we ought to, just in case. Turned it in. Guys, they're scratching their head. Mm, uh, did you drive it through hot weather? Well, we were in Texas. Oh, maybe that's it. Sometimes that happens. Uh, maybe there's, there could have been alcohol, too, too much alcohol in, in, the, in the gasoline. 
did you let your tank get really low? Because if you get it really low, then the, uh, the sensor's going to read it on, and maybe those lights go off. No, no, we filled up at quarter tank every time, but, or, or better. Every time, oh, well, I don't know. Well, then it must be fun. Okay, whatever. See you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm trying to go fast. So that, that's a very recent thing for us, all right? But I want to give you something even more relevant, if I may. So uh, I've mentioned Edie a couple times. Um, our son, Keenan, and his wife, Kimberly, and their two children are here. And uh, some of you know this story, and I, I really, I'd love to go into detail, but I just can't. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you know the, the nuts and bolts of it. When they were pregnant and about to give birth and the, the date was coming, it was actually planned, they both contracted COVID at the same time. And then the baby's coming and she had to go to the hospital. They were packed, they packed for three days. They were away for two weeks. Nobody would touch them. They had COVID. They had one nurse for 12 hours and then the nurses would change. Now, so how many people were, I don't know, how many, were any, was anybody in the room now, in the room then, when I stood up front here and prayed? I don't know. I prayed. Wes sent me the, re, uh, the recording of it. It was a plea. It was a plea. They needed a room. They needed resources. They needed healing. They needed divine intervention. They needed what I couldn't give. But I knew someone who could. Where is, what good is this grace, Derek? It gives us the authority and the love of the Father to pass on and to speak into existence what may not exist otherwise. Because God wants that for everybody. <clears throat> God answered. God gave them a room. God gave, they, they got the only room at, I think it was NetCare, that, that it, in the NICU for their, for their son. I could go on. I mean, it was, it was bad. But God answered. Well, team's out here, so I got to hurry. So let me, let me, last thing, all right? This is for you. I got this out of a book that the Lord led me to while I was, uh, while we were on vacation. And I paraphrase so that I can save time. Picture yourself running faster and faster evermore through the woods and rocks, coming to a raging river, but you, but you don't stop. You run even harder and an unseen hand carries you to the other side and you land with renewed strength and endurance. This is you in the spirit realm. Come on. If, if you knew what God has done through, with you through faith, you would be amazed. He's strengthened you. Your trials have trained you. Your mountains have conditioned you. If you knew what God has done through you, you would release a holy roar, a victory and you'd refuse to back down from the battle ever again. The enemy doesn't have endurance, but you do. 
The enemy doesn't, isn't guaranteed a victory, but you are. This faith journey isn't for sissies. He makes warriors out of all of us. The message today is Jesus wants you to live more. He wants you to have your being more. He wants you to have more life. He wants you to experience more love. He wants you to walk in more love. He wants you to express and exhibit more power. He wants you to speak his word with his authority more. Will you walk in the more? Will you accept the more? I'm, I'm telling you, I like what Dennis, don't look at your neighbor. I'm talking to you. You are not the faith giant you could be. None of us are. There is a new level. While we're doing praise and worship, I'm challenging each and every one of you between you and God. Ask him how to level up for more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Lord, I could have preached all day. This is such rich, rich, fertile ground. But Lord, I pray that you would take even the smallest seed, plant it deeply in the fertile soil of our, 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 our listeners' hearts. And I ask you, Lord, to produce a fruit a hundredfold for them, those they love, those they call friends and brothers and sisters, and those they've not met. And let each and every one be an example of your grace, your goodness, and your love and your mercy to a lost world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this, or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.